We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Pace, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman. And back today is my co-host, you said, Koshal. You said, glad to have you back on the show. How was your trip, man? It was good. Um, nice to see a lot of family after some time. Obviously, I want to wish Happy New Year to everyone. You know, I'm ready. I'm back. I am really excited to get 2022 started, especially with you and the podcast. This is going to be, I think, our second full season where we're do- or second full year. I'm sorry, we're doing this. So, yeah, it's going to be fun, man. How are you? Yeah, doing great and looking forward to uh, second full year, second off season in terms of the draft process, uh, doing this podcast with you. And of course, Happy New Year to you as well. And Happy New Year to everyone listening to our podcast today. Uh, 2022 in full swing right now. And, um, you know, with 2022 coming in here, that means that the 2021 season for the Bears is now coming to, you know, a swift and you know, hopefully not too painful end as we get through what has been a turbulent season, to say the least. Uh, but there were, you know, some positives this past weekend with the Bears getting a win over a just truly awful Giants team on Sunday, winning 29-2. to uh, The Giants had maybe the worst offensive performance, at least maybe the worst ever passing performance, especially in the modern era, that I think we've ever seen in the NFL. Uh, just a true, truly pitiful performance by the Giants there on all phases. Uh, the Bears took advantage. Uh, their defense played well in this game. Really not too much to say. Justin Fields did not play in this game. But, you know, I'll say this. Watching this game, you said, you know, it was actually, you know, kind of fun. I, I tweeted this out during the game that, you know, it was actually kind of fun to watch this team for once, which normally doesn't happen uh, this year. But, you know, I don't know if you were able to catch the game while you were out on your trip over there in Europe, but, uh, you know, looking back at it, you said any thoughts from this game as a whole, and, uh, you know, it doesn't really mean much for the future, but, 
in terms of the present, you know, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, yeah, it was just good to see the guys, you know, the Bears going out there and fighting. But like you said, you know, this was just a game that was just so meaningless. You know, I will say this. I mean, I was kind of encouraged by some of the performances, right? I thought Darnell Mooney had a pretty solid performance. And, you know, Darnell Mooney's right around, I think, 70 receptions this year. And he needs, I think, 60 or 70 more yards this coming Sunday against the Vikings to eclipse 1,000 yards, which would be a significant uptick in production because last year he only had, I think, 631 yards receiving as a rookie, um, but Mooney's performance is just so encouraging because if you look at the Bears this season, I mean, Darnell Mooney's basically developed into the number one wide receiver for the Bears. Is he a number one wide receiver for other teams across the league? No, he'd probably be a really good complementary piece to a player like a Mike Evans or DeAndre Hopkins, but in the context of the Bears, Darnell Mooney's doing really well, and you know, as we look forward to 2022 here, the key thing to really keep in mind is that the Bears are going to have to overhaul this wide receiver room. And, you know, chemistry with Justin Fields is going to be a big thing that we're going to have to talk about next offseason and just going into next year. And, you know, for the Bears to have someone like Mooney, who's already got a pretty good connection established with Fields, I think it's going to go a long way in terms of what we're going to see from this offense next season. And again, I don't know who's going to coach the offense, but that relationship between Fields and Mooney is still really meaningful. Yeah, certainly you would expect the wide receiver position to be heavily uh, utilized or heavily uh, heavily addressed in the offseason, I should say, because Darrell Mooney being the only wide receiver under contract for the Bears in 2022, not great <laughs> overall in terms of roster building there. Thanks, Ryan Pace, for that. Uh, but you know, like you said, Darnell Mooney's had a nice year. He had another touchdown grab in this game today, um, which really started to roll things in the Bears' momentum. Truly, after a couple of turnovers by the defense on back-to-back drives to start the game, which was certainly a positive right there. So Darnell Mooney can continue to show some positives here. And like you said, I don't know if he's the number one wide receiver in, in the sense that you know I think when judging like an average NFL offense and average NFL wide receiver core. I don't think Darnell Mooney is the number one wide receiver on that group, but can he be a quality number two or maybe even just a high-end three? Absolutely. He, he definitely has that ability right there, but like you said, they need to add more talent there this offseason. I think it starts with guys being able to get separation, um, being able to create their own separation will be key. Uh, you know, the Bears have been one of the worst wide receivers have been one of the worst in the NFL this year in terms of creating separation. So um, that's not something that is helpful for a young quarterback like Justin Fields, who is still having the speed of the game come to him. One way you can help a young quarterback like that is to get more receivers that can actually create their own separation and get open. But sticking back to the game here, and specifically you said, I want to touch on one more thing before we move on to the main topic of today's episode. And that is something that we've been kind of previewing really over the last few weeks and months, really. And that's Robert Quinn finally, you know, Having history here on Soldier Field on Sunday for the Bears, breaking the Chicago Bears all-time single-season sacks record, breaking Richard Dent's uh, former record of 17 and a half games with eight, or 17 and a half sacks, I should say. Uh, Robert Quinn getting 18 sacks down this year with a sack of Mike Lennon in this game. You know, it's been a, a truly a remarkable bounce back year for Robert Quinn. Um, you know. I've mentioned this before, but 
if you would have told me before the season that we'd be talking about Robert Quinn as maybe a potential, you know, not only a pro bowler, but maybe a potential all pro candidate at the end of the season uh, where he would break the franchise record for sacks. I would tell you a liar because he just did not look like the same player that we've seen on film from him in previous years last season with the foot injury that he was dealing with. Well, this year he showed that he was healthy and explosive and it was nice to see him to nice to see him earn that, you know, historical landmark record right there for the bears franchising and get that for himself, uh, making history on Sunday. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on Robert Quinn and his season this year? Because it, it's truly been a remarkable, remarkable feat that he has accomplished here. Yeah, you know, I tweeted this, and I was just like, look, these guys like Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, they're doing great, these other pass rushers around the NFL, but I don't think we give Robert Quinn enough credit outside of the Bears fan base in terms of just what he's been able to accomplish, and it's been phenomenal because I think people don't forget, right, last year at this time, everyone was fed up with Robert Quinn. Everyone was kind of looking at Robert Quinn as, you know, he signed a five-year, $70 million deal. He just got done with year one. The Bears are in a situation. They're at a point where it's almost like, all right, well, you know what? The reality is that we're just trying to get out of this contract because this looks like a player that Ryan Pace overpaid for. Now, you could still argue, okay, maybe Pace did overpay for a guy, a free agent going into his 30s, but then also at the same time, hey, what Quinn's done this year, I think, deserves more attention than what a lot of other pass rushers are doing around around the league. Because let's be honest, I mean, when's the last time to remember a pass rusher in his 30s putting up, you know, the numbers that Robert Quinn is? And I think that outside of the sacks and the record, the other thing is that Quinn, when you listen to him speak in press conferences, he's always enjoyed to talk to number one. But then number two, in what's been such a terrible season for the Bears, I mean, he's been someone who's kind of been the glue to this defense. You know, losing Khalil Mack was a big blow. Losing Akeem Hicks was, or Akeem Hicks has been in and out of the lineup this year. But just what Quinn's basically done is helped hold this team together. And ultimately, that's something that really matters because right now this defense only has two leaders, Quinn and Roquan Smith, really. I mean, and then a couple other guys like Eddie Jackson, an emerging leader, and Jalen Johnson. But yeah. Quinn's just veteran experience and what he's been able to do on the field this year, I think goes a long way towards kind of this defense continuing to just hold tight together when everyone could have just easily given up. Yeah. For Robert Quinn, I mean, for him to continue to uh, do this week in and week out every week, he's getting a sack at this point um, is what it really has come down to. Um, Like you said, it kind of shows that, you know, this bears team, while, you know, they're not good. We clearly know that, Matt Nagy at this point is going to be fired at the end of this year. There's going to be sweeping changes. I feel like in the bears organization franchise as a whole, we look at the front office and how, you know, whether Ryan Pace stays or whether he's fired and leaves with Matt Nagy, you know, there are going to be some major changes at Hallis hall this off season. But one thing you can credit with these players uh, for the bears is that, you know, they're playing hard every week. Still Uh, we know that these games are meaningless, but they're continuing to fight. They're continuing to scrap. Uh, They're continuing to try and go out there and win these games and you're just playing with some pride and and tenacity there. And that's something you like to see. Uh, You know, a lot of these guys aren't going to be here next year, so they're fighting for their jobs next season. You know, whoever they're going to be, whatever team they're going to be on next year, you know, that's what they're looking to do at this point. They're trying to solidify that uh, for next off seasons, basically. But, you know, it's still good that, you know, this organization, this coaching staff, they haven't lost the locker and they're still playing hard. And, you know, we'll see what happens when we get to the off season. Certainly a lot of moving pieces and we'll get you know more into that after next week's game when 
the Bears will play their season finale against the Minnesota Vikings, uh, which should be, you know, a, a game between two uh, teams who have nothing to play for. So that'll certainly be, uh, <laughs> it'll be interesting to cover for sure. Uh, I'm not sure how much I'm going to be paying attention specifically to the game, but um, it, you know, it's, it's, it opens up a lot of possibilities for this off season and uh, certainly can't wait to get to that when uh, finally this regular season is over and we officially close the book on 2021 for the bears and are moving on to the 2022 off season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, you said, let's get into the nitty gritty, the main show of this podcast the main topic i should i should say for uh today's podcast and that's covering the college football playoff and uh everything that's going on here to for the end of the college football season so you said uh first let's start with the college football playoff in terms of the games that we saw on new year's eve uh starting with alabama and cincinnati alabama winning that game 27 to 6 in what you know was a bit of a struggle for alabama even though the score didn't quite reflect it uh alabama you know, they did not blow out Cincinnati as much as I thought they could in this game. Uh, the, the offense struggled in this one. Cincinnati with, you know, those really awesome corners that they have uh, was able to keep them in the game and slow down Bryce Young as a passer, even though the running game for Alabama just completely shredded the Cincinnati defense. And then you look at the Georgia-Michigan game. Uh, this one was a blowout from beginning to end. UGA uh, winning 34-11 to 11 over Michigan. Uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh getting – the Michigan Wolverines, and his, you know, for the first time in his tenure, getting them to the college football playoff uh, did not go well for Harbaugh in this one, to say the least. Uh, and I think the main storyline, while you know the defense for Georgia, we knew that was going to be you know something that they <laughs> that they hang their hat on. Uh, I, I thought the offense for Georgia looked very good this game. So, you know, for any of these games here, what are your main takeaways from either one of these games? You said in terms of you know things to take away in terms of the draft and even just going into uh, this upcoming college football uh, championship game. Yeah, well, I thought, you know, when I originally looked at what the games were going to be, Bama versus Cincinnati, I was kind of like everyone else, just in the sense saying that, all right, well, Alabama's going to win this one, you know, and they're going to win by a wide margin. But you really saw it throughout parts of the game. Cincinnati, especially like you mentioned, the cornerbacks, they were really trying to give Bryce Young fits, which – I think, you know, Cincinnati playing as hard as they did kind of really speak to Lou Fickle, the head coach there for the Bearcats and kind of what he's built, um, which explains why he's consi- getting NFL offers and teams are kind of looking at him as possibly being 
the next big college head coach that they could hire. But ultimately, you know, there's one player on the Cincinnati defense that sticks out to me, and that's cornerback Ahmad Sauce Gardner. I mean, I saw ridiculous stats saying that he basically has not allowed any touchdowns since he arrived on campus, which I think when we talk about cornerbacks, there's certain teams like the Bears around the NFL that are going to have to draft cornerbacks, kind of overhaul the secondary. And so Ahmad Sauce Gardner is someone that sticks out. But then also, you know, you look at Alabama. I mean, you know, Alabama, I think, is intriguing team this year because they're not as good or I should say they're not necessarily as explosive on offense as they've been the last couple seasons but then you still also look at this and say all right well do they have you know has the talent from last year to this year dropped off just a bit yeah but then also at the end of the day they still figure out a way to get it done and I think the big the biggest difference maker on the Alabama offense obviously is Bryce Young who whatever, he's like 19, 20 years old, I think is only a true freshman quarterback, but is still managing to get the job done. Yeah, certainly. I think both, you look at Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant, who the other cornerback for Cincinnati, who is going to get drafted uh, pretty highly in this next upcoming draft. Both these guys are at least going to be day two. I think Gardner is, you know, definitely has a case to be a first round pick. Uh, looking at his status for the next draft. But, you know, this passing attack here, look at the receivers for Alabama here. Uh, Jamison Williams is obviously the big name here. This was the guy that they needed to stop. Uh, you know, if they were going to have any chance in this game for Cincinnati, at least defensively, they needed to stop uh, Jamison Williams from just completely breaking the game because of you know his speed, his explosiveness, everything that he offers as a receiver. Well, they were able to hold Jamison Williams, Williams to seven receptions for only 62 yards, that's only 8.9 yards a catch, which for Williams, that's, you know, you're going to take that every single day uh, against him because he just has game-breaking ability, uh, you know, deep, working deep vertically or after the catch, uh, just brings a lot to the table there. So for them to do that and kind of hold, you know, Bryce Young, who did not have the most splashiest game, I know he had three touchdowns, but, you know, it was a little bit, you know, inconsistent, I should say, and rocky at times for the, for the Alabama passing game. And you kind of wonder why they didn't stick to the run game more, where Brian Robinson went off for 204 yards rushing uh, on 26 carries. So a lot of a lot of carries, obviously, but a lot of those were late in the game where they're just trying to run the clock out. Um, you look at them early in the game, but they, they just went right up and down the field early on in the first quarter, just running the ball. So you wonder why they didn't just stick with that. Bill O'Brien being the offensive play caller there. You know, wanted to go to more of a pass-heavy attack. I, you know, test those corners a, a bit. I, I get it, but they clearly had a, a, an advantage in the trenches there. They didn't quite take advantage of. Uh, on the other side of the ball, we had a touch on Desmond Ritter struggling in this game. You know, this is going to be really, I, I think, a defining game for him in terms of what his draft, st draft stock is going to be. Because while you don't want to say that, you know, one game determines a player when evaluating his potential uh, translating to the NFL – uh, just not a lot of great stuff from Ritter in this game. You know, he finished the game 17 to 32, 144 yards, four and a half yards per attempt. Uh, didn't throw any interceptions, didn't turn the ball over, but, you know, took a lot of sacks in this game. Cincinnati could not handle, handle Alabama's pass rush up front as they allowed six sacks in this game. So, you know, Will Anderson and everybody on that defensive line for Alabama was just getting after them. Um, there really wasn't much that they could do in that department, but, you know, Ritter just struggled in this game mightily. And I think it shows that, 
you know, while there are some intriguing parts to his game in terms of his potential and some of the tools he has, he might just not be there as a first round prospect, you know, when you're looking at these things right now. Yeah, you know, Ritter's very interesting because when we flash back to the 2021 NFL draft, there are a lot of people who had Desmond Ritter pegged as being quarterback five or quarterback six, you know, depending on who you talk to. But then also you go into this year and when Ritter was returning to school, you know, my thought, and I think a lot of other people thought this too in terms of, all right, he's going back to Cincinnati for a year. That's going to bode well for his development. What is he going to be able to do to kind of really distinguish himself? Because he's the only quarterback from 2021 that was draft eligible that decided to come back in 2022. And so, you know, this game for Ritter was, I'm not going to say game, to forget but it's also not a game to remember it's just a so-so meddling performance and so moving forward here you know you really have to wonder okay the hype around Desmond Ritter and all the talk about what he could be is obviously died down now because we've seen who he is and ultimately what this I think is going to come down to is I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be a first or second round pick in 2022 I really think he's just going to end up being another day three player that team's taken uh take a flyer on. Yeah, certainly could be the case for Ritter there. I, I think you know, there is a case to be made that maybe he could be a day two guy, but you know, certainly a lot, uh, a, a lot's going to happen in the pre-draft process. When we look at, he's going to be at the senior bowl coming up at Mobile, Alabama in about a month or so. I uh, still got, you know, pro days, uh, the, the combine, if they do that this year, um, everything that goes into the pre-draft process, uh, you know, it's there's going to be a lot that causes these quarterbacks to kind of move up and down draft boards. So Ritter, not a promising performance on, you know, the last performance of his college football career. Uh, We'll see if it impacts his draft stock in any way, but I I want to move on quickly to the Michigan Georgia game for a a couple storylines here. Obviously Georgia, uh, their defense dominated here, but a lot of talk about Aiden Hutchinson in this game, uh, not really showing up to play did not, I, would, I wouldn't say not showing up to play because, you know, he, he brings a ton of effort every single snap that he's out there. Um, that's one of the trademarks of, you know, his game, but certainly did not make the impact in this game that I'll think, I think a lot of people were expecting of him as a, you know, Heisman hopeful uh, in this one. And certainly as somebody who is seen as one of, if not the best pass rusher in this upcoming class, a class that is loaded with pass rushers, uh, in terms of the, the edge position, we look at, you know, Thibodeau being up there, uh, Carl Laftis on Purdue, uh, certainly being a name in that conversation as well. And Aiden Hutchinson did not finish with the sack in this game. I don't even believe he finished with, he only finished with one tackle for a loss, uh, just did not make the impact and, uh, you know, kind of looked overwhelmed on a couple of reps here and there. What were your thoughts on his performance, uh, you know, kind of struggling in this one against Georgia? And what we thought Aiden Hutchinson's kind of lack of impact was more so due to um, Georgia essentially planning, hey, how exactly can we neutralize Aiden Hutchinson? Not even slow him down, but just neutralize at this point. But, you know, overall, this is just one of those games where it's like for Aiden Hutchinson, his draft stock, I think that no one should be worried, right? Because we know who he is as a player, right? And he's proven that time and time again. I mean, if you wanted to, go back and look at one of Aiden Hutchinson's best performances 
all you have to do is look at the Big Ten championship game, Michigan versus Iowa. He was pretty much all over the field, and that's what he's done all season, you know. So would it have been ideal and great for him to go ahead and to be able to um, have a strong performance in this game and probably what well, essentially what was the biggest game of his career? Yeah. But obviously didn't get it done. But then again, I don't think anyone's going to look at this and, you know, significantly change their opinion on Hutchinson. Yeah, again, we talk about one game being important for Ritter. I think this is going to be important in the evaluation process, but I wouldn't put too much stock into it. I know a lot of people are going to, uh, you know, post a viral clip of him on on Twitter where uh, the left tackle for Georgia, you know, just completely just whooped him into the ground, basically just uh, completely just bullied him um, on that rep there in pass row. Uh, Not a great look, but I mean, Hutchinson's been, you know, dominant this season. So I wouldn't use one game against him. Uh, certainly he has a ton of talent and, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, he had a rough game to not make the impact. I think he hoped he would. And, you know, we'll see what happens. I still think he's going to be a top five pick in this upcoming draft. He could still be the number one edge picks, you know, off the board when it's all said and done. So, uh, Hutchinson did not make the impact that we thought he would in this game, or we thought he could. Uh, but you know, he has, he has a chance to maintain his draft status as one of the top players in this draft with a nice off season, hopefully where, uh, he can show some things in his workouts, um, at pro at his pro day and, and everything involved there. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So let's move on to uh, the final game of the year for college football, the national championship, uh, a rematch between Georgia and Alabama. These two teams, uh, we've kind of seen it uh, happening all year long is kind of, you know, Alabama had a couple of rough spots here where maybe there was some doubt whether they'd even make the playoff, but you know, they, they shaped up when the time was right late in the season. And uh, you know, the last time these two teams met was, in the SEC championship game, which was a huge game for Alabama, because if they lost that game, there was a chance that they would have missed the playoffs. Well, Alabama went out there and dominated uh, that game, winning 41 to 24. And the storyline for that one was Bryce Young uh, just absolutely shredding this historically great uh, Georgia defense, going 26 to 44, 421 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Jameson Williams had 184 re- receiving yards and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, John Mechie had a touchdown in 97 receiving yards before, before going down with the season-ending injury. So, you know, the, the offense for Alabama was rolling in this one. And, you know, that was a little bit odd seeing that Georgia, um, 
they haven't really they haven't seen an offense that could do that to them all year long going into that game. So I think, you know, for me, you say I think the main storyline here is, you know, with Mechie out for Alabama here, and, you know, some of these other guys have to step up for them. You know, can Alabama replicate that performance on offense uh, for the second time facing this team? Because, you know, Georgia's going to be their second chance uh, to, you know, see what Alabama did in the first matchup and see if they can counteract that. You know, I, th- I think that's going to be the key here. Can Alabama replicate that offensive performance? Yeah, it's going to be really key because, you know, that Georgia versus Bama game earlier in the year, you know, it kind of showed out, hey, this is you go, this is how you go ahead and you attack the Georgia defense. I mean, I think a lot of people were seemingly forgetting that opposing offenses had a real hard time moving the ball against Georgia. Now, obviously, Georgia's loaded with playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, my personal favorite's Nicobe Dean. Because the reality of the situation is that, I mean, I thought N'Kobe Dean was just really all over the place against Michigan. He had, I think, seven tackles, a sack, and a forced fumble. So he was pretty much wherever the ball was. But, um, yeah, this, you know, Bama-Georgia game, I think the second time around you are going to see some adjustments, though, because there's film now, right? And you're going to use the film to go ahead and see, all right, how exactly did Alabama attack our defense what does our defense need to do better and that's just going to be I think that dynamic right there that factor of Bama offense versus Georgia defense how does the Georgia defense adjust it's going to be defining in the championship game yeah absolutely I think Alabama they're still going to get their fair share of points but uh, you know I think Georgia is going to make some adjustments like you said uh, Dean he was all over the place against Michigan. I think he's going to still have a great impact in this game as well. You know, Georgia's going to do a nice job of shutting down the run game as well. I mean, you know, Brian Robinson, we talk about him dominating in Cincinnati. That's not going to be the case in this game. He only averaged three point yards per carry the last time these two teams met. Uh, outside of a couple of Bryce Young scrambles, you know, Alabama was only averaging three yards per carry in that game. So um, I do not expect. Uh, you know, Alabama to be able to just run up and down the field in this one. It's going to be Bryce Young primarily through the air to these wide receivers, making big plays down the field. And, you know, if Georgia can adjust to that, then I, I think they have a chance. The other side of the ball, though, is where the questions really remain for Georgia because Stetson Bennett, um, you know, while the stats looked better than his performance actually was, um, you, you look at the stats for him in the SEC championship game, Bennett threw for 340 yards and three touchdowns, also had two interceptions, but we have to keep in mind a lot of those yards and touchdowns came in garbage time when the game was already over, you know, for most of that game, Bennett was and that offense was pretty ineffective. So while I'm not project predicting a shootout necessarily, I I think Georgia, they need to have a better offensive performance if they're going to have a chance uh, in this game, because Alabama, I think they're still going to be able to put points on the board. It's just a matter of whether Bennett and his offense can counteract that, you know, with George Pickens, you know, hopefully feeling more healthy as the season goes on from, uh, that ACL injury that he's, you know, been recovering from all year, you know, what can be the results there? Um, in terms of, you know, prediction, predicting this game, you said, I'm going to go to you first. What's your prediction? Who do you think is going to win? And, and what's going to be the score for this one? Yeah. So I am going to trend towards Alabama winning once again. Um, I know that it's kind of everyone's popular pick, but then also when you look at it, I think the big difference maker in football, right? Whether it's college or NFL is the quarterback position. Now, obviously, the dynamic of how important a quarterback is in college versus the NFL is vastly different. But then I also think that Bryce Young is 
going to go ahead and show us, hey, this is exactly why I deserve to be talked about as one of the best players in college football right now and deserve to be one of the faces of college football moving forward. And so I'm going to go with Bryce Young because I just think overall when you look at it, right, that there's a lot of little things that um, Bryce Young tends to do really well. And then just overall, you know, when you do look at this for Georgia, right, I think Stetson Bennett's not entirely a terrible quarterback prospect. But then again, he's also not the greatest either. You know, he had his bright moments in um, Georgia versus Michigan, where I think he finished with like 307 yards, you know, and then also, you know, used his legs more than I'm used to seeing him use. All right. Bought some time, you know, did go ahead and extend some drives. But, you know, overall with, um, you know, this game, I'm going to pick Bama to win. And then just one quick thing, right? When you talk about Georgia's loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game, you know, Georgia fell behind early. They were not able to make that ground up. I mean, yeah, Bennett had 340 yards and three touchdowns, but then he also had two interceptions, right? So the question is that can Bennett avoid any sort of mistakes in this second game if Georgia's going to have a serious chance to hang with Bama in this one? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, you know, the offense for Georgia is going to be key here. The quarterback matchup is going to be key here because I think the talent is relatively even across the board, you know, in an overall sense. So for me, I'm taking Alabama 30 to 20, a little bit more of a low scoring game. This one, I think Georgia is going to keep it close throughout, but Bryce Young and that offense is going to, you know, take it home late and put together some drives near the end of the game to pull away here in the passing game. I think it's going to be a game where, again, I think Georgia is going to make Alabama one-dimensional um, and, you know, Bryce Young, can he step up to the plate one more time? Do not have his best game against Cincinnati, against, you know, that talented secondary. You know, Georgia, they have a lot of dudes in that secondary as well, and Bryce Young shredded them last time. So can he do it again? I think Bryce Young can, maybe not to the degree that he did last time, though. So, you know, for me, I'm taking Alabama 30-20. to 20. Uh, It should be an exciting game. Uh, for those interested in watching the game, it's going to be on ESPN on Monday, January 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. So I, at 7 p.m. Eastern time or Central time, um, maybe need to double check that, but you know, it's going to be on Monday, Monday night in prime time. Uh, it should be exciting and hoping that we get an exciting um, end to the college football season for 2021-2022. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, you said, let's get into previewing this final Bears regular season game for the 2021 season. Week 18 against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, there really isn't much to say here. You know, the, the Bears and Vikings, both these teams are out of the playoff picture. The Vikings, they lost to the Packers last week, pretty much blowing their, not blowing their chances, but, you know, knocking them out effectively from the playoffs. Uh, you know, both teams don't have much to play for here. And it's a situation where both head coaches and GMs could be out the door after this upcoming game. So a, a lot of change potentially for both of these franchises here. And it, it kind of, you know, with, you know, the latest news of Justin Fields now not playing due to 
uh, you know, him being on the COVID list now, um, you know, that certainly uh, makes this game a little bit less intriguing and a little bit, a little bit makes me a little bit less excited to watch this game. So for you, you said, you know, what is, you know, what are some of the things that you're looking for in this final game of the season? Um, and then what is your prediction and X factor for this game? Yeah. So obviously, you know, Justin Fields isn't playing, but I think one name that I'm going to keep an eye on just throughout the night is going to be cornerback Thomas Graham Jr. I mean, he's had his bright moments over the last couple of weeks since he first got some regular season action in week 15 or 16 against Minnesota. But then he's also had times where he struggled, like giving up the 41-yard touchdown to DK Metcalf in the game against Seattle about two weeks ago. But I'm really watching for this young talent, right? I'm watching for players like Graham Jr. because these are the guys that I think are going to continue to form some of the foundation of the roster moving forward. Obviously, is every late-round pick going to pan out? No. But then, you know, Thomas Graham Jr., I think when we talk about underrated and steals, I think that had he been playing the entire season, we would have been talking about him as basically being one of the top mid-round picks. So ultimately, that's what I think this is going to come down to. Um, And then outside of him, you know, I'm watching for players like Larry Borum, Tevin Jenkins. Obviously, you want to watch the offensive tackle duo of the future. I think that another name to keep an eye on is going to be Marquise Goodwin, who surprisingly has, you know, been a solid wide receiver three or four for the Bears this season. And so that's what I'm watching for. I think in terms of X-Factor, it's just going to be, hey, can this offensive line keep the quarterback upright because I believe it's Andy Dalton's projected to start but um you know this Bears offensive line at times they've pretty much shown us like hey they're shaky right and so ultimately when you look at this here they're gonna have to keep the quarterback upright because yeah it might be Mike Zimmer's last game but um he's still gonna think you know go all out and basically empty his bag and throw whatever he has at the Bears offense yeah and Andy Dalton is expected to get the start here Nick Foles will be backing up for this game uh, so get, get our last look at Andy Dolan in the Bears uniform, I would assume. Um, I'm not sure Bears fans are, are looking forward to that too much. Um, but, you know, I, I digress. Like like you said, I think the young players, it's going to be important for this game here. And Travis Gibson, I think uh, he's got nine sacks on the year. He has an, uh, a chance to get double-digit sacks. I know it's not a 16-game a season where that would be seen as a little bit more impressive, but uh, still, Gibson, he's had a really nice second year. He, he's really blossomed as a player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think, you know, if he can get to that double G the sack mark, I think it leaves a lot of uh, – it leaves the Bears in an interesting place with their edge rushers next year because theoretically, you know, Mac, Cleo Mack, he's probably not going anywhere with, you know, the status of his contract. But Robert Quinn could be moved next offseason. Uh, the Bears could capitalize on, you know, his value never being higher – uh, to get some much draft capital for this team. Uh, you never know with, you know, with a guy like Travis Gibson, you know, developing before our eyes, it makes sense to make that move. Now I will say this, I would hope that the coaching staff comes to the senses and actually plays him uh, more in this game, because uh, for whatever reason, they, they are obsessed with uh, having Bruce Irvin get more snaps. Bruce Irvin, who's 35 years old, I think. And, uh, they signed midway through the year because they had so many injuries on the uh, at the outside linebacker position. He's getting he, he's out snapping Travis Gibson over the last few weeks. It makes no sense. Uh, but uh, so are a lot of things with this coaching staff at this point. I, I just hope that they you know see what this game is. You know, it's a meaningless game. You all all are getting. I'm sorry, but you're all, you're all getting fired anyway, regardless of the outcome. So play the young players. Let's see what they have. 
that's what we have to look for here in Chicago, you know, looking forward to next year. So, uh, you know, how does Darnell Mooney do uh, as the number one guy still, you know, you know, can Cole Komet make some nice plays here and, and finish his season strong? Uh, I want to see Tevin Jenkins and Larry Bourne play at the tackle spots. I think we need to see both those guys because, you know, those are probably going to be the starters at the tackle spot for next year. You know, I, I don't think the Bears will be making too many uh, big changes to the tackle room outside of maybe getting some more depth at that spot. So I think those are going to be the two starters. Let's see what they have as a duo for this final game of the year. Uh, both of them are expected to be health, healthy. So definitely want to see that. I think, um, you know, on offense, Daz Newsom, Khalil Herbert, see, you know, they can get some more touches here. And on defense, you know, I talked about Gibson, um, you know, Tonga, let's see him get more reps over a guy like Eddie Goldman, who's probably not going to be here next year. Um, you know, linebacker, you know, I'm not sure. There's not many young guys in the, in the pipeline there, but corner, uh, certainly you want to see Thomas Graham out there. Um, you know, we've seen Kimberly Vildor. We know what he is at this point. Um, let's see Thomas Graham. Let's see what he's got. And honestly, I would like to see Artie Burns get some more snaps as well. He, he's impressed me um, over the past few weeks. And while I don't think he's a long-term piece, you know, maybe he's a guy you consider bringing back on a, on a little short minimum contract next year to compete for a job. So, um, overall, uh, those are what to look forward here and forward to here. And, you know, we'll see what the outcome is, you know, at the end of the day, the bear season is coming to a close. And with that, I think that's a good time to, oh, well, first, let me get my prediction here. I'm going to take the, uh, the bears winning this game, uh, 24 to 20. I think they're going to, going to upset the Vikings here. Uh, the Vikings have nothing to play for. And I think the bears are going to come out and play harder in this one on the road. So. Uh, with that said, let's put a close to this episode here. You said, uh, you know, make sure to follow us for all of our listeners here. Make sure to follow us on social media at Picks for Pace, where you can follow uh, some of our updates for the college football playoff, as well as for uh, once draft season officially comes around, everything that we'll be doing there for uh, our Twitter account and getting updates on what we're doing. Uh, you said, where can our listeners follow you on social media and find your work at the airport? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter at Usain Kofield. Check out my work on the Bear Report, guys. Um, you know, depending on what happens with Ryan Pace as well as Matt Nagy, I'm going to have a really cool article sometime over the next week or so here, which is at first only going to be for our VIP subscribers, and then we're going to go ahead and unlock it for all the listeners. So definitely keep an eye on that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of, uh, a lot of 2022 offseason stuff in the pipeline here. For us here at the Bear Report. As for me, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AJFreeman25. Uh, looking forward to closing uh, the final couple of installments of the 2021 Track in the Trenches series, uh, closing out the offensive line and defensive line play in the passing game for this year. Had a lot of fun putting that together this year, and uh, it'll be interesting to see the final results for both sides of the ball in that department uh, once I put that all together after this final game in Minnesota. Uh, looking forward to a lot of interesting stuff this offseason. But with that said, you know, I want to say to all of our listeners here, it's been a great season uh, having you guys listening to us here on our podcast. We are seriously looking forward to hopefully what's going to be an awesome draft season uh, in this offseason. I know it's there's now a ton of bear stuff going on during this time uh, in the next couple of months besides the new head coach and GM and all the excitement there. But there's going to be a lot going on in the draft sphere uh, sphere. So uh, keep an eye out for all of that with the Senior Bowl coming up, the East Shrine Bowl coming up, uh, Pro Days, everything like that. We're going to be covering that all for you guys here at the Picks for Pace podcast. So stay in tune for that. But 
in terms of this weekend, you know, not a lot to look forward to uh, on Sunday, but you know, bear downs, bears fans, let's get through this final game. And we'll be talking to you guys next week. Uh, talk about this game and looking forward to the 2022 off season. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.